It is no secret that this pandemic has caused stress, has caused anxiety, has caused a pain on the whole world to stop and to recognize exactly the times in which we live in. It is no secret that this pandemic hit a huge stop button on your life and on my life and on the ministry of the, the Anchor of Hope or the ministry of any church, on the, on the uh, business world. It has hit a huge reset button, but I believe the biggest reset button it's pushed is in the lives of Christians who know what's going on. In the lives of Christians who are part of God's church and can tell exactly what's happening. Obviously, it is no secret that Anchor of Hope is having a much harder reset than many other churches. Anchor of Hope is having uh, a little bit more of a reset, a little bit more of a ground zero starting point than many other churches. And I'm not ignorant to that and I'm not going to stand and pretend like everything's okay. And I'm not going to stand and pretend like uh, I've got it all figured out or I've got all the answers. But I know who does. I know who's in control. I know whose will is going to be accomplished. I know who is ordering the things that are happening. Amen. Uh, we've seen the church, Anchor of Hope included, but the church abroad be reset back to what it was supposed to be. The, the entertainment side of things has been taken away. The flashing lights have been taken away. All the different instruments have been taken away. All the different shows and shenanigans and all the things that the churches have become now. And I'm not saying ours was, but all of that has been taken away. Everything has been brought back to a hymn, to a tithe, and to a sermon. That's where we're at. That's the day we're living in. And that's where the church is at. So God put it on my heart. Turn back to page one because the entertainment factor is gone. We have been reset to the way the church was back when the church first got started. It is no longer about a show. It is no longer about a man. It is no longer about an entertainment factor. But it has been reset back to the place that it should be with a hymn of praise, a tithe of gratitude, and a sermon from His Word. Two things that we've been promised. Two things that you and I have been promised that no matter what pestilence, no matter what things may come our way, no matter what things may take place, no matter what the days ahead, two things we have been promised that will never go anywhere, that will never back up, that will never falter, that will never fail. And number one is God's word. God's word is not going anywhere. He said heaven and earth shall pass away. That includes this church. That includes every church. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never Amen. I challenge the church this morning before we go any further. Have you been reading your Bibles? Have you sought in this decision making or in any decision making? Have you been in the word? Have you been in study? Have you put yourself back with an open lap and open arms and open hands and got your face off the social media world and back into your Bibles? And I understand that the social media world is kind of the main source of where we get our information because we can't trust the news media. So we've got to go to the social media. We've got to see what's going on and we've got to understand there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But when you prioritize that over the reading of your Bible, what God has promised that will never go anywhere, what God has promised that He has given all instructions to do, we're failing. Yeah. The second thing that will not go anywhere, the second thing God has promised you and He has promised me will stand is the church. He, he looked at Simon Peter and He said, Simon, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto, you, unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Thou art Simon, and upon this rock, what rock? The profession Peter just made that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon this rock, upon the solid rock, upon the only rock, upon the one that's going to stand through eternity. The one that's going to stand at the right hand of the throne on high. The one that's going to stand sovereign over all creation. He said, this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let your heart Man. not be weary this morning. There is coming a time 
time where this church will stand before a holy and righteous God and it will give an account for what it did and for the, the souls it reached and for the community that it was a blessing to and for the light that it was. And if we dare think we can put that light out, if we dare think that we can snuff that light out or that it is up to us to carry that light on. No, 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 no. He said the foundation is Christ. The head is Christ. The one in charge is Christ. And he's going to control and he's going to do and his will is what's going to take place in this place. Why? Because he promised his word would never pass away. And he promised his church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That those two things are not going anywhere. It doesn't matter where we go. It doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter what we think. Those two things are going to stand at the end. His bride, his church, and his word are not going anywhere. Uh, tonight, uh, to this morning, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that his bride is here before me today. That there are some real, bona fide, saved by the blood Christians in this room. And they are willing to see what God can do. That they are willing to see what God has in store. And that they are totally reliant on the will of God. And that's all I'm asking this morning. Before we move any further in this message, be reliant on the word of God and on the church of God to speak to your heart. Before you put your suppositions and before you put your opinions and your thoughts, move that aside as I have and say, God, what would you have me to do? You can't speak for anybody else but yourself. You can't make a decision for anybody else but yourself. But you ask the question as I did is, God, what would you have me to do? And look to the church and look to the word this morning. That's what we're going to do. Acts chapter number one, verse number 14. Acts chapter number one, verse number 14. Stand with me as we pay honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together, about 120. So and said to about 120 people, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost spake by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained part of this ministry. This morning I want to preach on this thought. Page one of ministry. Page one of ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the two things that you've promised us are not going anywhere. God, I pray in the days ahead that you be with me, you be with my family, you be with this church, you be with their families, you be with each and every one represented here. That we look to you, that we look to a sovereign and holy God, that we do not look to a man, we do not look to an influence, we do not look to a, polit a political speech, we do not look to arousing, we do not look to any of those things. But we look to a holy and righteous God this morning. God, I pray that we use your word and that you have your Holy Spirit move in this service as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want to look at what's on page one of ministry. Because if we're honest, church, that's where we are. Whether our pastor resigned or not, we had a reset button that was pushed and we are on page one. It is up to decide what we're going to do with Anchor of Hope Baptist Church or what we're going to do if we merge with Bible Baptist Church. It is up to us, us as a church to decide what's going to take place. And today, all I'm simply asking you to do is not listen to this one or that one or this one or that one, but to look to your Bibles and see what we find on page one of ministry. Number one, we find men grasping at straws. Men grasping at straws. Understand this, that the disciples are living in a complete state of shock, of, self, of shell shock. They have just experienced 
the public ministry of the life of Jesus Christ. They have just witnessed all these things and all these miracles and all these sermons that he's preached. They have watched him heal and they have watched him speak and they have watched him preach. They have watched him walk on the water. They've watched him <coughs> feed the 5,000 and then the 4,000 later on. They've watched him stand in the synagogues and preach against the Pharisees and preach against the Sanhedrin. They've watched him be beat. They've watched him be bruised for you and I. They've watched him die. They've watched him rise again. Think of the emotional roller coaster that these men have been on. And now we find in the book of Acts that he has ascended. He has ascended to the right hand on throne on high and they are standing there left. We know that the Holy Spirit would come in just a little bit. But put yourself in their shoes. A lot of us can very quickly relate right now. Here they are standing. What do we do now? We're on page one. We understand that they did exactly what God told them to do. Exactly what Jesus had been doing. They prayed. They got together in that upper room. And they assembled together with one mind and one accord. And made supplication and prayers before the Lord. And in that place we see the first thing we're going to see today on page one. Is that men started grasping at straws. What are you talking about? Verse number 15 says. In those days Peter stood up. We see a determined leader. We see a man that in this time, in this pause, in this place where Jesus has now ascended, in this place where Jesus has now gone up and they've been left standing there with this great mission, this great commission. They're standing there and we see a man that was very determined. We see a man who wanted to do great things for God. We see a man who wanted to do the best that he could do. And he stands up and he begins to speak and he begins to not just be a determined leader, but he talks about a depressing legacy. Look at verse number 17 and 18. For he was numbered with us. Who's he talking about? Judas. And obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all of his boughs gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem insomuch that the field is called in their proper tongue <coughs> Aseldama, which is to say the field of blood. Peter stands up as a determined leader and he reminds them of a depressing legacy. He said, there used to be 12 of us. Standing here. There used to be one more man standing here with us, but he messed up. He <clears throat> absolutely betrayed and attacked our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So now we're left with a problem. We're left with an incomplete spot. And in this hasty decision, Peter stands up and he decides that he's got to make a decision. He's got to decide a lot. He's got to make sure that he can put things back together. Notice, God never said anything. The Holy Spirit is not involved yet. It does not come in until a few verses later. The Holy Spirit is not involved in this decision making. This is Peter. Peter, this is the apostles, this is the disciples. This is the will of man that this takes place. And we see that what comes to pass is he gets everybody together and he decides that, hey, Judas has left a vacant position. Judas has left an empty spot. Judas has left a place. We've got to fix this before God can carry. He took 12 of us to carry his ministry here. Before we can carry his ministry any further, we've got to put things back together. Peter, no doubt, was looking at all these apostles saying, we can do this. We can put this back together. We can have a good, we can put a good effort. Let's cast lots. Let's see who's going to fill that spot. Who's going to move forward with us because we've got to figure this out where Peter's at. A lot of us can stand right there in those shoes and say, we've got to do something. Amen. We've got to figure this out. But nowhere in the scripture did they say, let's ask God what to do. God gave him a very strict, strict instruction. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the comforter. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the comforter. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the comforter. But here we have Peter standing up. Nope. We've got to fix something. We've got to do something. Judas has left us empty handed. Maybe the reason we're not able to go forward. Maybe the reason God's not saying anything is because we haven't fixed it yet. We've got to fix it. So we see 
not the determining leader, the depressing legacy, but a deciding lot. They, they cast lots. They came down with two men in verse number 24. And they said, or verse number 23, and they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, O Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show us whether of these two thou hast chosen. Notice now they pray and they ask God, we've picked these two guys. We've done that. We've decided to pick these two guys. Now, God, you tell us which one to pick. Had the Holy Spirit come yet? Had the Comforter ever had their dwelling with them? Had they received the promise of the Holy Ghost yet? Absolutely not. And they're yet here saying, we're going to cast lots. God, this is what we're going to do. We're going to cast lots. There's a 50-50 shot of that guy or that guy. But God, we trust that you're going to show us what to do. We're going to fix this, God. Are you starting to see what's happening here? Are you starting to understand what's happening here? Before the Holy Spirit comes down, before they were guided by the very presence of God, Peter and his disciples, they weren't doing it negatively. They truly, with all their heart, thought that they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And they put together this plan that we're going to give these two guys a shot. God, you tell us which ones. We've picked the two out, but you tell us which one's going to do. And the lot fell on Matthias. They're grasping at straws. How many of you as a kid, you played the, the short stick game where you got a bunch of sticks in your hand. Whoever got the shortest stick, they had to be it first and hide and go seek. They had to be it first and tag or whatever it had to be. That you did not want to get that short stick. That's literally the game they're playing. They said, we're going to cast lots to fill this 12th spot, God, and you tell us which one. They rolled the dice. If you were to look at an image of lots, what they were, they were simply, they could have been rocks, they could have been sticks, they could have been pieces of tree bark, and they would have symbols on the backs of them, and they would throw them in whichever <coughs> order. They said, if it's heads, it's Matthias. If it's tails, it's Joseph. If Matthias gets the short stick, he's it. If Joseph gets the short stick, he's it. We don't know the exact method, but they left it completely and totally up to chance of which one would be the one that would fill Judas Iscariot's place. And we see man grasping for straws. There's a warning here. And the fact that Matthias was chosen and Matthias stayed faithful. Based on what we can tell from Greek history, Matthias stayed faithful to God throughout his entire ministry. He was even chopped up after he was crucified for preaching and teaching on Jesus Christ. Matthias wasn't a bad man. He didn't do anything wrong here. But his name is never once more mentioned in the New Testament. He is not listed by God as an apostle. He is not listed to found any churches. He is not listed to be anybody that was used greatly in the eyes of God. He was faithful. He was a great man. But he was chosen man's way. Because men thought they had to fix it. Men thought they had to put things back together. But what, what did God have in store? He had that 12th spot picked out, didn't he? He had that 12th spot. He had a man. He had somebody that was going to come in and do bigger things than anybody had ever seen. He had somebody. So we don't just see men grasping for straws. We see God making the calls. Look over in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Look at this. Chapter 9, verse number 1. And Saul. Who? Saul. Breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Went unto the high priest. God making the call. First, we see an evil man. Saul was literally a disciple, a Christian bounty hunter. He was going to the high priest to get their name, to get their address, to get where they were going to be, to understand who they were, who their family was, so that he could go hunt them down, arrest them, bring them back to be killed, bring them back to be arrested, bring them back to be slaughtered. This was not who they would have cast lots to decide who filled that 12th spot. No one would have ever seen this coming. Nobody would have ever understood that God's plan, God's calling would be on an evil man. Being on a man who literally made his living, who literally made his daily life murdering Christians, 
killing Christians. Nobody would ever said Saul needs to fill the spot. Nobody would ever said, hey, as we move forward for the glory of God, as we need more preachers, as we need more missionaries, nobody would have ever brought up the name Saul of Tarsus. No, they fled from the name of Saul of Tarsus. They ran from the man of Saul of Tarsus. They did not want any interest in him at all whatsoever. But not only do we see that evil man, but we see, look at this, an extraordinary majesty. Look what happens. Verse number three. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Let it not be done that we do anything to harm the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let it not be done that we harm the testimony of this church or of any Christian in this room. Or any Christian that has left this room. Amen. Let it not be done to say that we could be named with Saul as somebody who persecuted the church of the living God. Who caused harm to the church of the living God. God said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? The light was so bright. The, the presence was so immense. The place was so powerful that Saul put himself on his face and said, what did he say? And he said, who art thou, Lord? He knew exactly who was talking to him. He knew it wasn't some random guy or a king or a leader or a politician or this, that, or the other. It wasn't a bishop. It wasn't a priest. It wasn't part of the Sanhedrin. He knew it was a holy and righteous, almighty God who had came to where he was and put him on his face. And he said, what do you want, Lord? I am Jesus who thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So we see an extraordinary majesty, but we see an enormous mission. An enormous Mission. Notice what God does here. He did not send Peter to go talk to Paul. He did not send James to go talk to Paul. He did not send John to go talk to, to, go talk to Paul. For God so loved the world that He didn't send a committee. That He didn't send a board. That He didn't send a decision making this, that, or the other. He personally went to where Saul was and he said, Saul, I have a calling for you and I have a job for you to do. An anchor of hope looking in the days ahead, it will only be when God calls somebody to this church, when God decides who the man of God will be, when God decides who's going to move this church forward, whether it be Brother Ricky or whether it be somebody else. I don't know. I'm not that wise. Maybe you think you are. Ask God about it. He will decide and he will handle it personally. He will not require to send this or to send that or to, to bribe or to entice or to do this. God has a plan and He personally will accomplish it. How do you know that, Brother Christ? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Amen. Jesus didn't trust anybody else with His business. Jesus didn't trust anybody else with going to Calvary. Jesus didn't trust anybody else. He didn't just put another lamb on the cross. He gave Himself for us in that while we were yet sinners, God commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. He handled His business Himself. And he will. He will handle his business himself. And he gave him an enormous mission. Look at verse number 15. He's talking to Ananias here. Go thy way. He is a chosen vessel. Talking about Saul. To bear my name. Look at this. Woo! Before the Gentiles. That's you and me. Unless you've got Jewish blood in here. That's you and me. Before the Gentiles. And kings. Who? The bounty hunter? The guy who's trying to kill us, what are you going to use him to do, Lord? He's going to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things 
He must suffer for my name's sake. God was making the cause. And God's plans were so much bigger than just filling that 12th spot. God's plans were so much bigger than just putting things back the way they were. That's what Peter wanted to do. We've got to just put, fix it. Fix it. God's plans were to reach the Gentiles. God's plans were to reach the kings. God's plans were to reach into the far reaches of eternity 2,020 years later. So that there could be a church called Anchor of Hope. So that there could be a church worshiping and serving Him. God's plans were so much bigger than just filling the spot. Checking the box. Fixing things. God's plans were to move forward. God's plans were to conquer and move and do all for His glory and His kingdom. Amen. And it wasn't for Saul. It wasn't for Peter. It wasn't for James. It wasn't for John. It was for God. It was for the name That's which right. is above every name. Jesus Christ. Amen. God was making the calls. What else did we find on page one? We saw men grasping at straws. We saw God making, that call, making the calls. We saw it take off. Right here. Of course, it launched on the day of Pentecost through Peter. Peter was used greatly through the Holy Spirit. And we see Paul join the crew. And things take off in the book of Acts. God allows me to keep standing in this pulpit. That's where we're at. Book of Acts. Give you guys some study material ahead of time. Staying right here on page one. Then we'll go to page two. Then we'll go to page three. I feel like that's where God has us. But what happened in between? You see, the last time we saw Peter, he's, he's having a panic attack. He said, we're up in this room. We're praying. We're praying. We're praying. Maybe we've got to fix something. Maybe we've got to, God, give us that 12th man. Maybe, maybe we've got to do this. Maybe we've got to do that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And we see a couple weeks to months later, we see God call Saul of Tarsus to be the Apostle Paul and to preach and to teach. But what happened in between? Meanwhile, what was the church doing on page one? Men were grasping at straws. God was making the calls. But there was a church in the middle of it all giving their all. There was a church giving their all. Go back to chapter number 2. Verse number 41. Chapter number 2. Verse number 41. Many of us will come to the conclusion. Many of us will easily admit that no one man in this room. That no one committee in this room. That no one group in this room has the answer. Or knows what to do. Or knows what's best. We can all admit that. We can also admit the latter. That God is in charge. Amen. That God is going to make the call. That God is going to do what He sees fit. That God is going to accomplish what He has set out to accomplish. However, He sets to accomplish it. And guess what? It doesn't matter what we think about. Those two things are easy for you and I to admit. That we don't have it figured out. God has it all figured out. But it's what comes in the middle that's hard. It's what comes in the middle of Anchor of Hope that's going to be hard. Was it, what, what, what about it? It's going to be hard. That's right. Look at verse number 41. This is after the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them... About 3,000 souls. We're in chapter 2, verse 41. And they continued. They continued. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the middle of all this, there was a church that gave their all. They gave their all. What does that look like? 
And they continued steadfastly, number one, in the apostles' doctrine. That means they were seeking His Word. They were not waiting to see what great ideas Peter, James, and John had. They wanted to know what was coming from God. And I firmly believe that Peter and James and John and all the disciples probably had hundreds of ideas and hundreds of plans. How do I know that? Because they're men just like me. They didn't know what to do. They were spitballing this idea and spitballing this idea and saying, maybe we should try this or maybe we should try that. But those ideas are not the ones written in your holy word of God. Those ideas are not the ones that came to the pages of Scripture that we still have today. The ones that came to the pages of Scripture still have today are where we derive our doctrine or where we decide what is true and what's not. And what we read here in our Bible is that they sought the Word of God. That they did not say, this is what I think. Not one meeting has been opened a Bible. Not one meeting has said, what does the Word of God have to say about this? What are we going to do in light of His Word? And I would submit this morning that that is what, exactly what we need to do. What the apostles did. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? They were hanging on every word of the men of God saying, what is God telling us? Because they didn't have this. They didn't have the King James. I like what Brother Ricky said. It wasn't a KJV. It was a KJB. The King James Bible. It's not a version. It's the version. It's the only one. It's the Amen. one we're to stand by. I love what he said. He said, this is the King James Bible. This is the word. You can't change it. And what those disciples did not have was all those epistles. They did not have the full collection of the Old Testament. They did not have the full collection of the Gospels of Jesus Christ to see all the things that took place and to put it all right there in their laps in church this morning. We have it. Men have died so that this book could be in your laps. Men have gave everything so that you could read and you could know what the will and the Word of God is. And if we don't even take the time to open it, if we don't even take the time to consult it, we are wrong. That's right. It's not wrong. Doctrine. They sought His Word. Number two, it's going to be hard, church. They served His wife. They served His wife. What are you talking about? Look at verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. You know what you got to do to have fellowship? You got to have fellows. You know what you got to do to break bread? You got to have people that want to spend time with you. A new commandment I give unto thee that ye love one another. We may disagree. We may have different ideas. But let it not be said we don't love one another. Amen. Before you speak, before you share, before you lead, ask yourself this question. Is what I'm about to say loving? Because if it's not, it's not of God. Is what I'm about to say out of love? Because if it's not, it's not of God. Is this going to motivate people to be fearful or faithful? Because if it motivates people to be fearful, it's not of God. If it motivates you to be faithful, it is of God. Is what we're going to do. Love one another. Because it's God's decision. But God's given you this church. And whatever you decide, regardless of the outcome, it's going to take all of you. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good preaching right there. Bro. It's yeah. going to take every one of you. It can't just be me. It can't just be the deacons. Whether we merge, it's going to take all of us. 
To make sure that the ministry of Anchor of Hope is not forgotten. To make sure that the ministry of Anchor of Hope carries on. To make sure that the ministry God has brought us this far. And praise God He hasn't put the sign that says the rise of a mighty man. The rise of a mighty church. God has done that. And whether we merge or we don't merge. It's got to be all of us. Yeah. Every one of us. Yes. Love one another. Love one another. There's been some actions take place that have not been very loving. They've been very fleshly. But God knew that when He wrote these words because He just He just watched one of His twelve. He just watched one of His twelve kiss Him on the cheek and send Him to the cross. In the book of Acts here, he just watched one of his men commit betrayal. He knew there was hurt, but he still said, and they continued in fellowship and breaking of bread. They didn't abandon one another. They didn't say, it's your fault Judas did that. It's your fault. They said, none of us is perfect. None of us have the answers. Oh, church, it gets deeper. They sought his word. They served his wife. They sought his way. When has there been a time where we said, time out? Let's pray. Men, grab your families. Men, grab your wives. Men, if you're not going to be men, wives, grab your men. Let's pray. Let's come to a place where we got to have God. We can't get up without having Him. We can't merge without having Him. We can't stand alone without having Him. We've got to have God. They prayed. In prayer, they sought His way. God, what would you have His way to be? What would you have your way to be? And they saw something that was so huge. They saw God call a murderer. To kick off the church and ignite the body of the believers of the living God. Because they prayed. They didn't just lash out and act. It gets deeper. It's going to be hard. It's probably the hardest part. Down at verse number 47. One of those first two words. How do you praise God? How do you praise God when something like this happens? You remember it's all about Him. Yes, it is. You remember where you were when He found you. And you take your eyes off of everybody else. And you put your eyes back in that spiritual mirror. You put your eyes back focusing on where they're supposed to be focused. And you'll praise God. If God lives on the inside of you, if you remember exactly where He found you and how wicked and terrible you were and how wicked and terrible we've all been since then and how undeserving we are, I am of His grace, you'll praise God. You'll praise God. I'm not asking anybody to praise God for what's taking place. I'm not asking anybody to praise God for Satan taking a claim on a battle. 
I'm asking the church to praise God individually. Individually, because the church corporately will never give praise unless the individuals are praising. The church corporately will never have true worship until the individuals are worshiping. A lot of us are going to find that hard because we've been worshiping the wrong thing. We've been worshiping the fellowship. We've been worshiping the, the meeting time. We've been worshiping the music. We've been worshiping the man. We've been worshiping the name, the heritage. But we've left God sitting over there. What's on page one? Where are we going to fall? Are we going to be simply men who are grasping at straws? Trying to decide what we're going to do? Are we going to let God make the calls? And in the meantime, are we going to give it our all? Are we going to quit? Because we don't like the outcome. Whether you're a member of Anchor of Hope, or you become a member of Bible Baptist Church, you are a member of the family of God. Amen. And there's too much at stake. There's too many people that could go to hell. If they watch a Christian turn their back on an almighty God. There's too much at stake to play church games. There's too much at stake to play church politics. This is about people going to heaven or hell. Yes, sir. And I will treat it that way. We don't have music, but guess what? On the day of Pentecost, Peter didn't say, Martha, will you go play the piano? 3,000 people got saved and he never had to say, Mary, would you get out the, the harp and just begin to play something soft? When the Holy Spirit came down, so did everybody's egos. So did everybody's pride. So did everybody's wisdom. So I'd like to submit to the church. Would you join me in the altar? No piano, no harp. Would you join me to say we're going to start this right? Whatever the outcome may be, but we're going to start it on our knees. Would you?